Warning. The Aaron Show is not recommended for listeners who like their Bible teaching quiet and inoffensive. Side effects of listening to The Aaron Show include conviction, repentance, obsession with ancient texts, a desire to learn Hebrew, a loss of sleep for those on the East Coast, reverence, irreverence, being on the fringe, wearing fringes, rocking out, irritating your pastor with weird questions, loving sinners, hating sin, tipping better, sharing the gospel, philo-Semitism, a craving for matzah, the sudden desire to make a pilgrimage to Israel, believing in Yeshua the Messiah, being born again, receiving the Holy Spirit, and a changed life. Women who may be pregnant should not listen to The Aaron Show unless they want their sons to have hair on their chests. If you experience sudden bleeding from the ears, turn down the volume and consult your doctor after you finish listening to the show. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Oh, man. Chicken, the legend. Oh, yeah. 
chicken McNoggins. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's my other button here? Release the Kraken. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's out now, baby. There's no way to put that genie back in the bottle. The Kraken! Oh, yeah! All right. We are down here. We got... Oh, yeah. We're down here. We have a really pretty awesome session here tonight planned. At least I planned it out and I prayed the Lord that it would come true. We have uh, Pastor Casper McLeod of Spiritual Encounters who has been on the Fringe Radio Network. He's actually, his show has been coming on Thursday nights before the Iron Show uh, for years and years and years now on the Fringe Radio Network. Anybody wants to go to FringeRadioNetwork.com. Look for Spiritual Encounters with Casper, Casper McLeod, Pastor Casper. And uh, he doesn't call himself Pastor Casper. He calls himself Caspa, right? Say your name. Say your name, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Uh, yeah, it's Casper. Yeah. You, wait a minute. You always say Caspa. Well, no. Not, that's only when you're in New Zealand. <laughs> oh. Oh. Who, who calls... Oh, I think your wife calls you. I just you have case one spot. question: Are you a friendly ghost? <laughs> no, uh, actually, just get this straight right off, straight away. I, I don't go with ghost. I go with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, Casper and the Holy Ghost. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Casper and the Holy Ghost. That's that's us. We, we come as a team. <laughs> that's awesome. I asked Counselor Mark um, to be on the session with a, with us uh, last week, having this um, this uh, wild plan that I would bring Pastor Casper McLeod on to tell his personal testimony, and Counselor Mark has never heard it, so he doesn't know what's up. So, Counselor Mark hears it, he's going to freak out. This is going to be a real treat. I'm going to give Counselor Mark a real treat listening to this tonight, and get to know Pastor Casper, and we're going to like take this all over the map. we got Rabbi Mike here, so... Uh, Alias, grab my mic, and he's going to be... <laughs> yeah, tell me if I'm starting to just take over or something. I have this tendency to let my mouth get ahead of me, so... That's okay, because... What's up? I got to grab my mic here. I don't, I don't have to do anything. I can just, like, turn off my mic and just go out and uh, clean out my... Anyway, so <laughs> clean out the Chevy. polish your flamingos, man. <laughs> yeah, Counselor Mark sent me pink flamingos for my trailer because I live in the trailer park at the end of the world. Actually, he sent me twice for my birthday, once and when I first moved in, and they died because I ran over them with my Chevy. And then he sent me these new, <laughs> these new ones. It's a flock of them, and they have propeller wings. And I couldn't get the propellers to really spin because when he gave them to me last my birthday last year, they there wasn't any wind for like a couple like a month. And finally, I got out the yard blower, the leaf blower, and I just turned it loose. <laughs> I made a video of it. That's on my Facebook page, and we want to see that. But anyway, oh man, I, that sounds like a good idea. My someone got my uh, son a uh, kite as a present, and the problem is during the summer, Atlanta gets no wind. We're on this, we've got this weird plateau situation where it just creates like this bubble of heat, and we get almost no wind during the summer. So now that we're getting to the fall months, I'm, I'm hoping we get some sustained wind so I can take him to the park and actually fly this kite after six months. Oh yeah, you need. Um, Pastor Casper is going to be like in your state in a while. Oh yeah, yeah. When are you going to be there, Pastor? Um, you well, I'll be in Tennessee next week for no, the. No, um, after that. 
the the um, here the Watchmen conference with uh, my mate Ali Malzuli is going to be there and mm-hmm. Anthony Patch and Doctor Michael Lake and uh, where's that, that being held? I, I'm not. I don't in the know. Marriott, I, I think. Marriott in, in Nashville. No, it's it's in Knoxville. 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 Oh, okay. So how, that's well, there's. That, how far is that from Nashville? It's about two and a half hours or so. Well, you also come then. I, You're only I'm a couple hours away. I know, right? I'll look up the date, or I'll look up the dates on it, and we'll see what's going on. If, if I can, oh, I won't be able to. I'm going on vacation. Yeah, it's about a. I'm going to Ohio. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, why My wife's from Ohio. That? I don't hold it against her, but. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so uh, her mom's having her 80th birthday, and so we're going to roll up there for a, for a while. Mm. I used to yeah, live there because Knoxville is only about six hours from me, but I'm not going to be able to make this conference. I'm, and I'm very can, sad you, about that. You come to the North Georgia one, the Southern Appalachian Prophecy Conference in North Georgia will be there. Yeah. The 21st and 23rd, 23rd with Ali Mazzulli and Russ Dista. Yeah, you can meet Pastor Russ. I've been wanting to meet Russ Dizdar forever. I wasn't even aware of that one. Yeah. Uh, make sure I get the link on that one because I've actually got a lot of friends in uh, North Georgia. Um, I'm actually friends with some of the Hebrew Roots uh, people up there. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems awkward. like quite a lot of them in North Georgia. Yeah. We had, we had, Chief, we had Chief Joseph Riverwind last year when we did the uh, the, the conference on um, – mm-hmm. Yep, I've met him. I've got a uh, uh, friend who asked that I not broadcast her name on you know any on an open channel, so to speak. But she keeps on making sure I pop up at the right time to meet certain people. So it, it's it, that actually. Shoot, I've got to see how that overlaps with Sukkot this year. But that sounds like something to be fun to pop up for. Oh, the you know, feast um, of booze. I post this on it's on my Facebook page. If you just go to Casper McLeod, you, you can find it there. There's both, both the Southern Appalachian Prophecy Conference and the uh, Hear the Watchmen Conference. So, those are yep, two I'd um, like to go to. Yeah, I'm trying to find your page right now. So, announce that those one more Casper's time. C A S P like piece of A R. A R. That's why it's not coming up. Duh. Yeah. yeah. See, because I'm with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Found it, Casper Cloud Ministries, and I just sent you a friend request. You can friend me back at your leisure, and then I'll get the information, and maybe we can meet up there. That'd be pretty cool. That would be way okay, cool. I just found it, and I just sent it back to you. Awesome. You. You're on. We'll have to. Sweet. We'll have to keep announcing that. So let's just run over it one more time. Both of those conferences. Okay, so we'll be at the next week in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. We'll be at the Hear the Watchmen. Conference. It's being held at the Marriott that next weekend, starting on the thirtieth. Be with Anthony Patch and Dr. Michael Lake and Ale Marzuli, and then Ale and I will be um, at the October. Um, it'll be the twenty-first and twenty-third of October, through the twenty-third of October at the Southern Appalachian Prophecy Conference of North Georgia. It's being held at Freedom Light Church. Um, we'll be there with Russ Distar in LA and uh, Bill Flynn will be there as well so it'll be uh, quite an interesting time wow Flynn will be there huh wow that's in Ballground Georgia I think it is in Ballground yeah okay Chief, I just Chief Joseph it up. Riverwind told us you know that's where the Indians um, 
sorry, I should probably shouldn't have said Indians. What, um, what's wrong with that? The First, First Nations people. Oh. Mm-hmm. Will, will be, they used to have their games and things. That's why they called it ball ground. Yeah, if I go up there, I will definitely run into uh, some friends. <laughs> so, I, I've got I, I've got friends, um, some over in uh, LJ and others. Uh, I think it's technically coming Georgia, but um, it's uh, over there by um, uh, Lake Lanier. So yeah, I mean that's actually from work. If I skate as long as I don't get hit by rush hour, that's like a couple hour drive for me. So. Yeah, that's not oh, bad. I definitely need to I try to make sure I get down the counter. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, look yeah. forward to meeting you. That would be awesome. Okay, I'm going to find some way to clear some space on my very busy calendar to pull this off. That would be uh, worth it. because I am in the process of trying to find a new job. It's, I've not been fired or anything like that, but um, I uh, it, it basically the company's going a slightly different direction than I thought it was when I was hired, and so just my particular part of it's pretty much doomed to stagnate so it's better to go ahead and look for the job while i still have the job and so be in prayer that god works it all out because you know if like something came along uh, it might make it difficult to like you know escape for a couple extra days so god uh, god will have to be in charge of the timing on this one is basically what it comes down to but i would love to be there that's well awesome. he will work it out you know because um he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory in christ jesus so it's going to happen exactly amen Especially. It's got a great plan for your life. It's a plan to, to prosper you, to be in health. It's going to be fantastic. Especially and this is the October 21st uh, through the 23rd weekend? Yes. Yeah, oh, man, that's 21st. right. That's code. Yeah. Um, let me think about that because I, we're actually going to be camping out near Lake Lanier. I wonder if I can like take off from the camping out. It, basically, my synagogue likes to go camping out for Sukkot every year since mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be an intemporary structure. And so I wonder if I can like you know manage to pull it off or I can just like shoot up from the campsite and make like an hour trip and be there because that would be awesome yeah we'll take some of your friends too and make it an adventure yep that would Very be really that, cool that would be good I want to go they may even have some land you can camp on up there if you like so. <laughs> oh man I need to bring my friend Drake along <laughs> Drake is a uh, young man and he is an incredible scholar of the Bible and of the ancients and I'll have to bring Dave Matthews along not the musician although I keep joking with him about that but he his specialty is the Levitical priesthood and he knows actually more than me on that particular subject which is always a pleasure to run across someone who is more of an expert than I am that I can like learn from so uh, I'll have to see if I can convince him to sneak away from the uh, uh, camp out and come up there I wish it was like one weekend before one weekend after though it'd be a lot easier but we'll figure this out. Cool. I want to. I want to go. I'm at it in uh, LA because LA knows perfectly well when Sukkot is. I don't know why he's trying to put this on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to well, do actually, it sometime. Um, we are. We actually we're going to do it the week after, but then something came up with Dr. Chuck Missler, and uh, so we had to rearrange things. And they um, wait. Chuck Missler is going to be there. No, LA has to do it. The one oh, okay. with Chuck on them. I was, I was actually. Saying, I think I can go hang if Chuck's there. I, I met him <laughs> <Yeah>. once years ago. <laughs> it's like I would like, love to get a chance to uh, make his acquaintance again. <laughs> yeah, originally my friend Dr. Michelle Stryman was going to come over from Zimbabwe, and we were going to do a series of uh, uh, lectures together, um, based on um, my book and her book. I, you know, wrote the book. What was I thinking? And she's got a book on healing begins with sanctification of the halls. And I love that the back cover says, there's no such thing as an incurable disease. And this is coming from a 
a, a very gifted medical doctor. So um, we've been working together on a global ministry. We want to see blessings and healings overtake take people. And you've done shows with her in the ancient past, haven't you? I have. We did a show yes. quite a long time, a couple of years ago. We did. We've been really good friends for ages. Yes, it was um, really so good. Her- Let me try to drag my neighbors along on this. Um, you would like meeting them. It, it, my my next door neighbors are Nigerian. They've got a home fellowship, mm-hmm. and they're absolutely the most wonderful people. And they they're definitely in line with the, your thinking in terms of God providing uh, healing for all things and that kind of. Thing. And, and bet they would love to come up and be part of that. I'll have to see a way to. Uh, I'll see if I can raise that with them and see if make sure it's not overlapping with any of their obligations. Council Mark sent me an email from Nigeria. I'll forward that to you. Oh, really? No, that was a bad joke. <laughs> I've been very blessed. Your rich uncle died, and he left you $5 million. Please come to Nigeria. <laughs> no, I've actually been extremely blessed in my life because my mom uh, worked for World Relief back in the uh, – uh, mid to late 90s when uh, and World Relief helps resettle refugees here in the States. It's a Christian organization. Um, but uh, it, so when the Rwandan massacre happened, uh, she helps resettle a lot of Rwandans here in the States and I had a chance to and get some really good uh, personal friends that way. And then my wife, some of her best friends um, are Ghanan. And I really need to find some time for Pastor Eric again sometime soon because uh, he and I just hit it off a long time. And now we've got our next door neighbors are Nigerian, and my wife hit it completely off with them too. And uh, you know, I happen to love my opportunities to hang out with African Christians. I mean, the degree of extroversion is sometimes a little bit much for me because I'm just naturally introvert. But you can feel the spirit move when they pray because there there's no doubt in their minds whatsoever that God's going to move, and therefore there's no hindrance for the spirit. I think Americans are like always hedging our bets in a way when it comes to that sort of thing. Hmm. Well, a, a lot of times I think people perish from lack of knowledge of God's word. And um, there's just so, you know, so much to this. In Deuteronomy 28, we're especially talking about prophecy conferences, it's as prophetic as it gets, right? And it shall yes. come to pass if... Thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord, do all statutes of state, and all these blessings will overtake you. Everything you do, everything you put your hand to, your health, your body, your family, your business, everything's going to be blessed. But then when we step out of God's promises, when we step out of um, God's protection, because we've got free will to do that, um, and then the rest of the you know, chapter is just telling us how the enemy is going to beat the living daylight out of you, basically. You know, remember. <laughs> Uh, chapter uh, well, verse sixty-one is it? Um, he says, "And any sickness and disease is not included in this list is also included in this list. So any new yeah. diseases that they develop, um, you know, your, your sinister scientist and some underground laboratory coming up with things like Lyme's disease or whatever leashing in the world, you know, um, experiments run amok. So they're all already, you know, provided for. God's already." Nothing the enemy does or tell people all the time. Whatever he does, God will outmaneuver every time consistently, right? Yeah. I actually base an immense amount of my theology 
um, including understanding Paul's writings on understanding Deuteronomy 28. And, and where Deuteronomy 28 really comes into play prophetically is if you keep on reading and you get to chapter 30, where God talks about how he uh, will then restore Israel and bring Israel back into the land and so forth. But then you get to verse 7. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you're left going, wow, well, that fits. Um, you know, it, it's, and that's one of the reasons why, like, when you look at Revelation, you know, preterists will look at Revelation, it's like, oh, well, you know, we can see, you know, all these fulfillments in Israel's history right at the time the Second Temple was destroyed, so it must be about that. And it's like, well, yeah, kind of. And then you have historicists who say, well, no, this is playing out in the history of the church. It's like, yeah. Well, and then you've got futurists, which is where I mostly focus myself, who are like, no, 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 this is about the last few years and God's judgment in the whole world. I'm like, yeah, why? Because first, Israel is judged. Then guess what? The church is judged as Israel, because the church is grafted into Israel. And because since the church decided to persecute the Jewish remnant, the church is also subject to these curses. And that's the historicist point of view. And then God, after he finishes purifying the church through these punishments, you know, if you take change the word cursed punishment and you get the better idea after God has finished purifying that and bringing the two back together then he is going to sit there and lay it out on the whole world so it ends up being that all three are true so when you're talking when you look at a verse like you know Deuteronomy 2831 or 2861 and you're like oh wait a minute what are these other diseases that they didn't even know about that are coming about and we start looking at the stuff coming today yeah I absolutely agree with you I think you've hit the nail on the head that, that, that we are actually seeing some of that come into pass in our days, and we're going to see more of it. Well, um, with Dr. Michelle Strymint and I, um, both, we, before we met, we were teaching along the same lines. It was amazing. God put, it, you know, put us together on um, the, the work on some more projects. and but, um, It's like we, we took things like allergies and showed how a spirit of fear is really causing the, the allergic issue because God didn't design you to be allergic. He designed you to be compatible with this world. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of break it down, you know, um, and I've, I know I've got some teachings on YouTube and so does she on, on those subjects and very similar stuff. I remember and, you, you know, saying kind of that. Might as well, like in my book, What Was I Thinking? Um, we took on some of the, you know, the difficult questions because people are coming to come up with uh, ones that been taught that God doesn't really heal. You could you could pray for something simple like a cold. That's fine, but don't ask for big things. Yeah, don't pray ask for the to, thing you know you're going to heal from anyway, right? Yeah, don't yeah. ask him to but fix your leg or heal you from cancer. So you know, I've had people in conference. What about that blind guy, Pastor? You know, it says that you know the blind guy in, in um, John nine. You know, it's an intriguing case, right? It, it addresses a connection between sin and infirmity, and um, you know, Jesus pierced by. He's a blind guy from birth. Now, we, we know there's videos out there now today of um, people that have been born blind from birth at sea that they've received a healing miracle. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think my friend jo- uh, uh, evangelist uh, Daniel Klinz has seen several of those happen now. Um, I was back in England a couple of years ago ministering, and at the end of my message, I, I remember standing there going, you know, I'd be here all night if, I'm gonna, if people want me to lay hands on them or something, you know, it's like... My arms are too short to do anything anyways, but God can reach you right where you are. So I just prayed for the, the, the people there. And I remember praying in the name of Jesus Christ and Israel, Messiah, Yeshua. Blind eyes open, deaf ears here. Um, lame get up, you know, 
disease disappear and that sort of thing. I had no idea, that, knowing that a lady on staff at that church had been deaf for 20 years, and instantly, when I said in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, deaf ears, up, her ears popped open, and I didn't even know about it till the end of the night. Wow. And the family came, and they were hugging me, and the daughter was about 25, and she had tears that ran down her face. She said, my, my mother's never really heard my voice before. You know, it's, it was incredible, right? And we really shook yeah. up. Yeah. It, it really shook them up because oh, they, yeah. they weren't used to that. They, and that's the thing, you know, we were looking at these, in the end times, God's going to pour out his, his, his blessing, the Holy Spirit. And so we got this blind guy, you know, what we do with it, right? So Jesus heals the blind man of his blindness. So what was for the glory of God here? The blindness of the healing, obviously the healing. Um, but, in, you know, back in those days, the Jews believed that, um, from my research, that a pious soul um, was reincarnated as reward that the souls that were wicked would be put into eternal prisons for punishment forever. Uh, if you read, according to Jewish historian Flavius uh, Josias, um, I think it's, I got it from him probably. Some some of the Jews in the um, nations that believe souls would come back into bodies as penalty for sins committed in pre-existent states, and so there's this controversy going around, just like the New Agers have today. And the Lord Jesus, you know, settled it right there. So, oh, who sinned that, that this guy, you know, was born blind? You know, what happened here? Like, like the Hindus and the reincarnation stuff. Like, if somebody had epilepsy, um, they thought it was because a person had poisoned somebody in a previous life rather than understanding the possibility it was really a work of a deaf and dumb spirit. You know, um, we, we read about that in, in, in Matthew uh, chapter 12. Jesus tells us what's behind sicknesses and diseases, the spirit of infirmity. Um, so, you know, we really got to... I, the main thing here, I think, is just like the truth of this matter is always remember the devil wants to steal, kill and destroy, wants to lie. I mean, that's all he does, right? He just lies to people. And, and we got these scriptures that say things like how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good healing all that were pressed of the devil, for God was with him, right? In Acts 10, 38. So if um, if he needed that, and we're his disciples, we should get that as well. Um, Johnny and I were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit a little while ago on, on, on spiritual encounters. And it, it seems like that's... The, the enemy's got like a PR company. He's trying to make people <laughs> think that, oh, no, no, that passed away. It was only for a special time 2,000 years ago. But obviously, it's for today. I, I um, trying to make the long story short. I, I was in a mounted police class with my horse when he was younger, and um, I, I met somebody from a certain denomination, a woman and her husband, uh, actually named Dana and, and, and Dirk. And uh, I was putting my horse back on the trailer after we got done for the weekend with the mounted police. They, they let civilians come in to desensitize your horse from scary things, and it was a great class. I think I, I learned, you know, as much as going to study the scripture here on this. So um, I was putting my horse back and getting on the trailer, and, and suddenly the Lord told me to go over there and, and lay hands on that woman named Dana because he wanted to baptize in the Holy Spirit. So I'm kind of starting to almost question, like, well, don't I need to like teach a couple hours first? So I just walked over to her, I said, um, the Lord just told me, 
he wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And she looks at me. Now, her denomination didn't teach that, right? They taught right. against it. So she looks at me and she goes, um, I've been praying for that. <laughs> so I well, go, go ask your husband because, you know, I don't know if I'll step my authority anywhere and make sure he's okay with this. So he comes over and he's like this kind of John Wayne-ish kind of guy, um, takes off his head and goes, well, if you're going to be doing any praying, pray for me too. So I pray for both of them. It was just, you know, like the book of Acts. It was amazing. And um, the, the, he got a, instantly got a prayer language. She got all tingly. She'd gone to like um, women's um, prison ministry with her church group. They'd been going for five years every month. They'd go to the women's prison to try to present the gospel. One woman in five years got received salvation. So she goes in after a pray for her. And 40 women get saved. She calls me up. She goes, what's happened? I didn't say anything different. Something's changed. And then she goes to the hospital to see a friend. And she lays hands on that friend and prayed for her. And the friend was, well, it wasn't instant. It was overnight. She was healed of lupus, totally healed the lupus. No more lupus in the body. That's incredible. Happens so, all the time. So they asked me, periodically they called me up and they asked me to come speak to their friends. So it was like last year, um, they asked me to come speak. And, and it was basically a certain, well, I'll just say, they were a bunch of Baptist guys, right? Um, and it was in the home of a doctor, a physician. A physician. They all went to this Baptist church. And uh, they invited me in to come teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit because their church teaches against it. So I came in and and I was a little bit, I felt I was a bit out of character because I was talking a lot louder than I normally would talk. Just because, because maybe they're used to somebody you know, kind of shouting, walking back and forth, shaking the, the scriptures in front of them. Oh, yeah. You get my Bible, my my holy guide book to the supernatural, and I shake it and yell, talking. Cool. So I'm going back and forth and I'm all, all worked up, really passionate. And um, it was like the book of Acts. It was an Anglican priest that came as well, he was a neighbor. So. It was uh, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit all over the place, well, 40, 50 people. And uh, Dana came and got me and said, this woman, there was a young girl in the back, I was a young woman, she was about 20-something, maybe early 20s, and, and she'd been in a motorcycle accident. She said, will you come pray for her? So I went over, and this normally doesn't happen to me like this, but I, I, I just knew she was going to be healed. I don't, you know, just it's words of knowledge, um, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I started praying for her. She had, you know, the, the new cast they have, they kind of like they buckle up, you know, the boots and the arm thing. And uh, she started taking it off. I put my hand, you know, and I started praying for her. And my hands got supernaturally hot. But I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to give her a psychological, you know, idea. So I just looked at her and said, so are you feeling anything? And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, I feel the power of God and it's really hot. So then, wow! So a moment later, I, you know, I took my hands away, and a moment later, she went, "Oh my God! All the pain is gone." I'm not kidding. I, the pain is gone. I I could stand up, and she's standing up. And so I felt the Holy Spirit say, "Do not say anything, because if you say anything, everybody in this room is going to think you did that." So I just walked away, <laughs> oh, walking yeah. through the crowd. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, there was a there was a woman that burst into tears in the middle of my message. Um, I'm thinking, what was that about? You know, women around her all kind of comforting her. And so I come face to face with her, 
have another encounter, you know, and, and she burst into tears again. She said she was a registered nurse and uh, she was divorced. She was 28. She had three children. She was living with a man who was, you know, was not her husband. I, I, well, that's I like the woman at the well. Yeah, I, I didn't mm-hmm. do anything. I was just standing there. I hadn't said anything. You know, I was just looking at her and she just burst into tears again. Birds all laid out. So I started ministering to her. And then, so that was like, you know, a few minutes into it. And the woman that got healed starts yelling, Jesus healed me. Look, everybody, she's dancing around, you know, because they all saw her coming in with the cast and stuff. And, you know, she removed all the, the cast and stuff on her arm and leg. And and uh, it was pretty amazing. But, you know, Beverly raised the faith level there. So the best part of this story, I'll get off it so we can get on to other things, but um, there's a really tall man that came up to me and he said, I didn't get anything. I went, wait a minute. The Lord says, you know, um, if if you earthly fathers, you know, if your son asks for uh, an egg, you're not going to give him a stone, right? So if you ask for the gifts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, won't he give it to you? Um, So we were talking, he went to a very popular modern church, uh, where you know they give a secret friendly message and um, have the stage lights and smoke and lights and the hire the band, you know. He went to one of those kind of churches, and uh, you know, it's not that I have anything against it. I came out of show business or came out of the record industry, right? Um, but so he starts telling me, you know, this, and I go, Well, um, I'll pray again for it if you want. But and I asked him, you know, where he went to church. He told me, I said, So do you ever see anybody healed there? He said, no, it's not the focus of our church. And I remember saying to him, I looked him right in the eye, he said, well, that's too bad. Because it's certainly the focus of the Lord Jesus. What was the first thing he said to do? Mark 16, after he was resurrected, said, you know, cast all demons, heal the sick. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the church is designed to do. So I prayed for him and he went off on his way. Um, It was a Friday night because I remember Sunday, Dana called me. She said, remember that tall guy at the end you prayed for? He On Saturday night, he was a businessman, and he met with some Jewish guys that he'd been doing business with for several years. And at the end of the meeting, he felt compelled to pray for them, and he started praying for them, and suddenly he started praying in, a, in another language. And they're all stunned, and they're looking at him, and they were going, how is it you can tell us that Yeshua is the Messiah in Hebrew? When did you learn Hebrew? Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's some miracles happen all the time. I witnessed a lot of miracles when I was down at Bethel Church with Peter Goodgame for three days. We camped out down there a couple, three years ago. It was an awesome place. People put down Bethel Church, but if you actually go there, it's just like regular guys there. It's like none of the stuff you see on YouTube, it's like these guys, you ask them about it, and they're like, what? They go, yeah, I've seen that on YouTube. <laughs> Anyway, let well, me change what, what I like doing with Ale Marzuli, I've been working with him for years now and staff writer with PBS magazine. See, Ale doesn't do his research from a computer like a lot of guys because I've gone on expeditions to undisclosed locations. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, cause like, he goes, look, you got to go there. you got to see for yourself. you got to go investigate the location. you got to check it out. You can't take somebody else's, you know, idea and you got to do it for yourself. And isn't that what we should be doing with the Word of God as well? Be Berean. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I grew up in a uh, missionary church, Christian Missionary Alliance. And uh, it was, you know, 
every year the missionaries would come back on furlough to, you know, tell us about the people they were ministering to, and of course, you know, that would help raise more funds and so forth. What was always interesting was not what they would tell in front of the whole congregation at the pulpit. What was interesting is when you had them over for dinner afterwards, and they were friends of yours and that of it, and they would start telling you some of the stuff that if they tried to tell it in front of, you know, a couple thousand people, everyone would think they were making stuff up to aggrandize it. Yeah. And so they, and, you know, I grew up knowing that the kind of stuff you read about in the book of Acts is ongoing in the world today. It's just that it tends to happen a little bit more on the frontier where, you know, the light and the darkness are, in, you know, doing direct battle and all that. And so I think that the West being quote-unquote settled territory for uh, for a long time, the adversary is just like, oh, I'm going to leave that alone, work a little more subtly so that they'll forget about it. But as... Um, you know, you see the rise of neo-paganism. You, we've got an immense influx of uh, Hindus coming into uh, my particular part of the country and that kind of thing. The um, frontier is coming back to us. And it does not surprise me to see the spirit acting and to acting and to act more blatantly. Now, even before that was a big yeah. thing, I, I told you that my mom helped resell some random refugees. One of them had been raped by someone with AIDS, because there's this weird rumor that runs around Africa that if you're if you've got AIDS, if you rape a virgin, yeah, you'll be you'll cured. Get cured yeah, and so she was raped. She was in the camps, and the thing was at the time the policy was we got enough AIDS in the United States. We're not letting anyone with AIDS come over here. Um, and so uh, my mom and her organi- and the organization she was with worked for months. To uh, you know, we had to find a hospital that was willing to you know uh, take care of this young lady. You know, gratis. Uh, I had to go through. I had to practically get like some congressmen to sign off on it, the whole nine yards. And so when she came over, the first thing they did was give her a uh, checkup, and they looked at it and it's like, "Yep, we can. We see the virus here, um, but remarkably, your you know your HIV count is remarkably low. I mean, we'd expect to be a lot more after a year in the camps because you know when you're in those camps." You've got a lot preying on your immune system. And oh, yeah. so having uh, – you know, here in the States, even before we came up with the medications and so forth, you would tend to last at least seven years. There is like in a year you would be dead. Yeah. So they brought it over and it's like, well, uh, you know, we, we see it in the blood test, but it's remarkably low. You seem to have been lucky. She goes back for a follow-up appointment a month later and they can't find any. Wow. And they're like taking blood samples and sub blood samples and, and going and going, and they're just like, we have no idea. We know you had it. We all saw the blood samples because we're all curious to see how the camps would affect it. You know, there were a bunch of doctors who. That was one of the reasons she came over is because there were some uh, uh, doctor research doctors over here that wanted to see the effects of you know what happened to the human body in one of these camps as opposed to in the United States and so forth. So you know, they knew that she had the AIDS when she came over here. And they also knew that it was suddenly gone and had no explanation for it whatsoever. <laughs> so, I, you know, it, you see uh, anyone who's their eyes open, you see that stuff. And unfortunately, there is trickery. But the fact that the adversary will, you know, counterfeit something, you know, the fact that there are 20, counterfeit $20 bills out there does not mean that no $20 bill is, is the real deal. Right. And we need to be careful not to become so cynical yes. that we lose those opportunities to praise God when he moves. Yeah, me and Peter Goodgame are into a really unique thing called reverse discernment where the the discernment ministries, it seems like all they're doing is discerning the bad. But we're mm-hmm. just, me and Pete have been discerning the good. 
So you're going to find, you know, in these, even in these really highly conspiratorial churches, you know, that everybody's slamming around, you're going to find a lot of actual Holy Spirit moving there. And sure. there's a lot of authentic stuff. You have to be able to discern the good. You know, you have to be able to chew the meat and spit out the bones. That's what, yep. hey, I need to change the subject because it's really late for Counselor Mark. He's really tired. <laughs> and um, we I brought him in here just for so um, he could hear uh, Pastor Casper's testimony and talk to him. Um, so I wanted to get, because Counselor Mark might have to leave kind of early. So I wanted to get, um, get to that. And uh, so me and Counselor Mark, um, he was like, hey, what are we going to talk about this week? And I was like, well, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? He's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I go, hey, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Brian May's guitar because I've been like really into Brian May's. I've been I'm in my Brian May. I'm a guitar player, so I'm really into my Brian May phase. I was into my Van Halen phase a while back, but now I'm into my Brian May's phase. So <laughs> uh, Brian May, and um, we're you know he built his own guitar with his dad when he was a teenager. He never he always played it. I was thinking about Pastor Casper. Pastor Casper, have you ever met Brian May? Um, actually, I got a very nice letter from him when I was living in England. Really? Um, was, the drummer in my band was friends with Brian May, and uh, he heard one of my demo tapes and was very um, kind and wrote some marvelous things, you know, about uh, recognizing the, the talent sort of thing at that stage. So it was, he was encouraging me. He's he's very a brilliant man. He's got a doctorate in, in physics. Yeah. He's, a, cool. yeah. he's an astrophysicist. He even has a he has like um, an asteroid named after him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, quite, he's quite a quite an interesting man. He only played the some of the best guitar players out there. They've like only played one guitar mostly their whole life. Eddie Van Halen and Brian May. Brian May, he never played another guitar except for very very rarely. Um, he would use it like as a prop, like you'd get another guitar that looked like the Red Special old fireplace, mm-hmm. and uh, play that on a video. But you know, he just never put that thing down. He still plays it. This is it's amazing. It's, but anyway, um, I got you here, Council Mark here, and I want you to tell your testimony from ground zero. And I think you'll blow Council Mark away. So, could you? So, how much take, time have we got? We got, we got. I don't know. Oh, as long as it takes. So, do oh, it. Give it to us. Well, um... And pardon me for just a minute. Go ahead and don't hold up on my account, but I am going to step away from the mic for just a minute to deal with the situation upstairs, yeah. and I will be right back, so forgive me if I miss some context here in the ensuing discussion. Okay. Well, please, uh, Pastor Casper, could you give us your personal history testimony? My personal history testimony? Um, I actually wrote a book um, trying to share that. It's called Nothing's Impossible. It was my first book. I never meant to be a paperback writer, but it happened. Um, it was actually a friend in Australia. Uh, it convinced me to put my um, testimony in writing because we defeat the enemy by the words of our testimony. Um, so he published it, and then um, TBN called me up and asked if they could uh, film it, come out and you know, do a little documentary thing. So they did. On, uh, I was quite amazed to hear that... Um, was two, they showed a Thanksgiving Day 2003 on uh, Received a Miracle in 2001 that they were filming on. They told me, you know, millions of people uh, were watching it and they got hundreds of calls of people that were saved just watching the testimony and hundreds that got healed watching it. So 
Um, but basically, I was playing with some friends. I want to give you the short version. I was playing with some friends um, in a band called the Newsboys. I was just um, as a guest artist one night. The Miz Boys? Yeah. The News Boys, uh, an Australian band. What year was that? Probably circa. No, 97, maybe? 90, yeah, 98, 97, I think. Um, Peter, Peter Fellows um, is actually on that song in Adoration. Originally, we um, I wrote that with. Um, I was going to write it with Peter. I ended up writing it alone because he was engaged on the phone. Um, we recorded it together. Um, so yeah, the, the Jody Davis and you know, all the guys have been we've been really good friends for years. Great, great bunch of guys. Um, Sometimes I walked off stage. We we played in front of ten thousand people, and uh, realized something was wrong with my heart. So I ended up in ER, and uh, the band found out. And Peter um, told me. Peter Fuller told me his dad prayed for a blind guy in Australia and he received his sight and so I started realizing um, God was still doing miraculous stuff so it was set me on a journey um, there is a documentary it's like a 10 minute one that's still somebody put up on uh, YouTube if you put in Casper McLeod C-A-S-P-A-R remember the Holy Ghost Casper McLeod uh, TBN you can watch it and pretty much tells uh, what happened um, pretty much probably you know 90% accurate of what actually happened so um, I started learning um, the, uh, well at this point when the book I wrote what was I thinking where I'm pretty sure we, we stated that uh, uh, 80 to 95% of all sickness and disease begins in your thought life. So that means to me that 80 to 95% of healing can happen by getting our thoughts to align with God's thoughts and seeing things the way He sees them and His perspective, putting on the mind to Christ. Um, you know, so, that, you know, I was thinking though more with Council Mark here, what I was thinking about is, is your really early history, you know, like when you were 18, the guy that led you to the Lord and all that. Oh, okay. I, I thought you wanted me to talk about being raised from the dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about early history, the guy that led you to the Lord and the guy that oh, you were jamming this guy, with. This, this, little, this little Irish guy um, named Phil Keggy that I met. <laughs> and um, Phil... Um, what year was this now? Circa 1970, maybe? Uh, yeah, it would have been... Phil and I have been friends for, gosh, like... I think the last time we played together, he told me we'd been, you know, like 45 years, maybe. So it's really long time. I was still a teenager when I met him. I was probably 16, 17. I was in the States. Um, and... Uh, so Phil was always telling me about Jesus and all, you know, there was, he just left the glass harp um, and we were, you know, hanging out a bit together. I had friends from art school that introduced me. I was playing in a club actually, what happened, and, and this guy that was the manager of glass harp came up to me. Phil likes to call him the first crook we met. Um, and uh, he said, get a cigar, you know, I was like, hey kid, you're really good. Sign here and I'll make you a rock star. You know. So, um, 
So, um, you know, I, I was going to sign this contract, and a friend of mine said, well, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, before you sign there, why don't you find out why Phil Keggy left? Um, so I had dinner with the Keggies, and, you know, they were, like, married and grown-ups, you know, and I'm still a teenager. Um, but that was, like, the first time I ever remember anybody sharing the gospel with me. And he, he showed me Psalm 33.3, play on to him with a loud sound. It blew my mind. It's like, wait a minute, how could this ancient writing... And it's, it's what he's doing, you know, it was like, I couldn't believe it. It just, like, was overwhelming. And uh, he was one of the most Christ-like men I ever met at the time. There was just such compassion and love. And then I, I would watch him, um, I would watch him ministering after he'd play a concert. Um, and he would always make people feel like he'd spend, you know, as much time as needed. Um, the pe- you know, crippled people, all kinds of people would come up after him, and he'd be hugging them and, he just, he was, you know, he was like Jesus for me. He was like, he was representing Christ. Um, and he just kept sharing the gospel with me. And uh, I went on to um, have a career in secular music at the time. And uh, I was playing with some guys from Santina. Sort of, you know, getting a gym with some of the guys who played with the Rolling Stones and that sort of thing. Um, and I realized my life was falling apart. I, I just got married and I was gone a lot. And um, I thought, well, you know, I, mean, I think when you're first like newlywed, sometimes you're not really honest because you don't want to show anybody, you know, you, <laughs> wrong side, right? So yeah, that's what you call the honeymoon phase before you start, you know, getting honest with each other. <laughs> yeah, so my, my, my wife is kind of like, you know, well, I've got to go play with the band now. I'll see you, you know, a week or two, you know. Um, and she'd go like, it's okay, but it really wasn't okay. Um, so anyways, I, I got to a point where, you know, people were offering bracket deals and I, Peter Gabriel had, had tried to get me a deal with Charisma in, in London. He was, he was one of the first people that, you know, actually came alongside, tried to help me. And, uh, so things were starting to happen, but my, my personal life was really falling apart. And, uh, so I, I got on a plane to, to go see my wife. Um, things were not, you know, so good at the time. And I just wanted to go fly back and apologize that, you know, I just wasn't there for her. And on the plane, I had this incredible experience where I got born again. And uh, the things that Phil Keggy had been sharing with me suddenly hit me like a ton of bricks. It was just like, okay, now I get it, you know. And I... I made this deal with the, the Lord on the plane. So, like, Lord God, if you just fix the mess in my life, I'm yours forever. And I am a man of my word, right? So um, I know what I've been saved from, and I know who I've been saved to, and I ain't never going back the other way, right? So um, I had a friend, it was a pretty good friend, and I, I remember I was trying to get on this plane, and it was, uh, it was, it was hard getting in the airport. I was running towards the plane, and I, I, nothing really mattered anymore. I let go of my guitar. I was running along with the guitar and the suitcase. I just let him go because I couldn't run fast enough to catch the plane. I just didn't care anymore. And uh, my friend David had, had picked up the suitcase and guitar and got them on the plane for me later. I didn't know that at the time. So I called him when I got off the plane on, on my way to go see my wife. And, and uh, when I, I called him, he said, who is this? I went, what do you mean, who is this? 
it's me. You know, we had this weird conversation. Well, you sound different. Something has changed in you. It's like, wow, praise God for that. Um, and I've never been the same since. So um, God was good to his word and, and he, he resolved all the issues in, in our, our life and our marriage and we've been uh, together for quite a long time. So it's my best friend next to the Lord. So there's my testimony for you. That's incredible. What do you think of that, Councillor Mark? I, I, I tell you what. <laughs> um, I just got to actually, uh, over the holidays, do some work with Phil. And I've been following Phil around since I was 12 and a half. Nah, that's probably earlier than that. I heard how the West was won, and uh, it made me want to play guitar. And uh, so... I taught myself to play, and I taught myself to play, learning Phil's music, and and uh, but uh, that's what it makes me think of. You know, is that God is so amazing in this patchwork world that we live in, where we don't see the overlap. You know, we don't see how things happen until somebody gives their testimony or this person touched that person or something was impactful. I mean, it's amazing. And I glorify God for that. I mean, I know Phil, he's one of the, he's got to be one of the absolute most humble guys I've ever met. And I've been listening to, I haven't been saying much because I've got my listening ears on because <laughs> yeah, Mark's not talking. What? Um, because I'm, I am taking in everything that you're saying as deeply as possible, and the Lord is speaking to me right now about when you when you and uh, Rabbi Mike were talking about uh, miracles and and things of that nature, and I just was like, it gave me such a hunger to really start pursuing the Holy Spirit in an, in a new and fresh way in my own life, and so. I hear you. Me too, just, man. You know, it's just, wow. It's a great, great glorifying to God testimony. And uh, just are you an incredible with, thing. Are you familiar with um, John G. Lake? Do- John G. Lake was uh, one of my heroes of the face. In, from the, he was like around the 1900s. And most people don't know this, but he was one month from graduating medical school and he quit to go be a minister and then instead of being a minister he um, took a job like a Wall Street position and became fabulously wealthy for the time and then he ended up um, feeling really convicted that's not what God had you know, wanted him to do so he gave all his wealth away he literally gave it all away because he, he knew um, the scriptures said you know, my God supply all your needs and he ends up um, God supplied all his needs he has an incredible time he goes to Africa um, leads hundreds of thousands of people to Christ, starts all kinds of churches, sees incredible healing miracles, raises the dead, and heals the blind, and all that. But there was a, a point where he had gone into a place where, like, they had the bubonic plague, and so the doctors um, said, "Oh, you know, you can't go in there." They thought, "You can't go. You will get that disease, and you will die." And he said, "No, I, I won't. The disease will die." Um, because I know who I am in Christ. And so being, you know, a scientist and with a scientific mind, they did an experiment. And he held, it's not exactly clear 
and because he kept really impeccable um, paperwork on you know the miracles that happened. But um, what I re- do recall is they either put the disease, they took some um, mucus out of a dead man's uh, lungs that d- died of this plague. It was bubonic plague, and they put it in his hand under a microscope, or they put it on some blood in his hand on the microscope. But either way, scientists were amazed watching John G. Lake's blood killed the disease. Oh, wow. Okay, that's, now think about that a minute. You know, if you only knew who you were in Christ, right, um, more people would be doing that, right? Um, it's So he was just a man like us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, it, you know, certain, the, the scriptures in Corinthians, you know, we, we go over um to some are given different gifts, but I mean, anything anybody can um, uh, receive any of those gifts that God d- decides as He needs you to, you know, move out and whatever. As long as we're willing to be a vessel of it, you know. Um, so I tell people, you know, just understand who you are in Christ. That you're the only you that will ever be. Even if they clone you, you still won't be you, right? You, yep. You're the only. You, you're a great value to God because Jesus, the Lord, um, you know. Yeshua, he, he died, paid a great price for you. You're a royal child of God. You're, you're covered in His glory and His honor as a born again, spiritual believer. You're, you're even wearing, you know, Messiah's robe, robes of righteousness. I mean, where I can back up everything I'm saying from the scriptures, uh, Isaiah, you know, 61 tells you the Psalm 8. Um, so God accepts you, He approves of you. It's all about Him, the finished work, what He accomplished on the cross. and you know, we're fearfully, wonderfully made. There's no commendation for those in Christ that are following after the Spirit of God. So, um, you know, that's 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 so huge. That's something we need to be thinking about. Um, so you're accepted. You're loved. I mean, Christians all the time. There's so many Christians in, in church, professing believers, and they, they don't even like themselves. Well, if you don't like yourself, you're in sin. You think of the greatest commandment, right? Love God with all your mind, body, spirit, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, so if you, you really hate yourself, yourself, you're going to be a lousy... <laughs> yeah, so how are you going to love your neighbor? And then yeah. how can you love God, right? That's so a, I never thought of that. Yeah, so, you know, we're born of incorruptible seed, we're the living word of God. I mean, the Holy Spirit... Dr. Michelle um, Stramian uh, talks about this, and when she was doing cadavers and medical students, she was like, okay, so where does the Holy Spirit live in this body? And after a lot of, you know, research, um, prayer, it, it's in the heart. Now, your heart has got like 40,000 neurons in it, so it's like a mini brain. And uh, that's just incredible to understand. Yeah, my brother's a, a thoracic surgeon. He's world-famous miracle worker, thoracic surgeon. And he says, um, yeah, there's almost as much nerve uh there's almost as much brain cell in your thoracic region there around your heart as in your head, which is fast. a lot of the thinking you do right there mm-hmm. around your heart, literally. Yeah, um, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. In, in fact, even um, other parts of, you know, I think people just don't realize um, how extraordinary you, you, you've made. Um, 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Hey, we're you know we're on the Iron Show now, so everybody get their boots on. You know, uh, Johnny's going to tell it like it is. I want to. I'm dying to hear a Pastor McLeod guitar solo. I can go only go so long without hearing one. Um, you've got a new. Hey, why don't we play that new song that Trey Smith um, had me write for his movie about the the Trump prophecies? Yeah, America. Um, you want to you know, uh, introduce like that? Concerned how, how the election's going to hear. But I've got friends from England are phoning me all the time, going. Hey, what's going over there? You know, what's going on in America? Like, what's what's happening? Because they, they're only getting, you know, like here, main lamestream media. It's all bought and paid for. So you only get there, you know, you only see what they want you to see and hear what they want you to hear. Not like here on Fringe. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's, yeah. let's do the because people just need to be praying. You need to really be praying. Um, the people in America wake up and uh, get rid of the, the, the corrupt elites. You know, just uh, don't give up. God, you know, prayer can move a mountain, cost them to see. So um, we've got some praying to do here. You know, Go ahead um, and play that. also, uh, I know that um, uh, you're wanting, the record company's thinking about releasing this one officially, and you're needing some reviews at SoundCloud on yeah. this track. So how would they go there and leave a review? Um, Basically, look for Casper McLeod on SoundCloud or... Yeah, I think there's there's um, on on Facebook there's um, I, I have a link on there for the SoundCloud version. I don't know where that it should be on there someplace. Well, look us S and T Records. Um, that'd be my one way to do it. And I'll be sure to have this in the show notes so that people could go there and listen to it and leave a review. Um, we are definitely. This is a, um, we really need those. Look, look at. Well, I know well, the thing we should do is tell them go to caspermcleodmusic.com and you'll find it there. But you have to say it three times. Caspermcleodmusic.com. Hey, Caspermcleod One more time. Caspermcleodmusic.com and just try www.caspermcleodmusic.com. And you'll find it. That's caspermcleodmusic.com. That's C A S P A R. And it's McLeod, like the fluffy clouds. M-C-C-L-O-U-D, music.com. Call now. Angelic operators are standing by. <laughs> All right. Send me your seed money, my friend. No, I'm joking. All right, hey, let's... Go ahead, go ahead and play it. I'm going to take a call from Trey Smith. All right, let's listen to America. Okay, I'm going to mute myself. Here we go. Everybody mute themselves. <laughs> Corrupt America Have you been led astray? America Won't you stand up? America Before you're bankrupt America What will the Lord say? There's still time to turn Wicked ways If you humble yourself God will hear you pray America Won't you wake up America Are your leaders corrupt America Have you been led astray America America, before you're 
outside your city gates Are you in prophecy? What shall be your fate? America, won't you wake up? America, are your leaders corrupt? America, have you been led astray? Open up your eyes and understand with your eyes. Take your nation back. guitar solo oh man i wish there was more guitar solo in that guitar solo you know the, <laughs> the, the interesting thing was I, I um i got off the phone with trey last thursday and i was kind of getting late um so i had this idea for you know america um so i just kind of opened up my recording studio and thought i'll just lay down a drum you know and then throw a guitar down so i didn't even have the bass line on there yet and so we'll see, I'll do a verse here, a chorus there, I'll play a solo here. So that was just kind of like a throwaway solo, just like, you know, one take. Um, Who could throw like, away that solo? That rocks! <laughs> so, <laughs> so then it was just like, um, you know, throw down a bass and, and I went to bed. I got up in the morning and I uh, thought, well, I'll just send it to Trey, just see what he, you know if he likes the idea before I do any more work to it on it. He just loved it, so he wanted to use it as it was. I go, no, no, you can't use that version. At least, like, let's get it, you know, mastered and produced right. So I sent it to my producer, Kenny Lewis in Boston, who worked with, uh, works with bands like Striper. And uh, we've been doing a lot of records together over the years, so Kenny took all the tracks and, you know, blended it nicely. And there you go. i got to fly out and get some guitar lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love well, that Well, I think song. I'm going to play it at uh, the conference next week. Um, in really? The, yeah. So, Have you, the first time, first time I actually get to play it in front of anyone. I saw a picture of you with, like, a Strat. Do you, like, mostly you've always played a Strat? Um, you know, you said literally, like, I, I usually, like, I play the same guitar for, like, 
gazillions of years. <laughs> yeah, like, what is it? I, I, well, um, I started out like I just started, when I was on Atlantic, I only played Gibson. Oh. Um, back in England, somebody gave me a, a three fifty-five, and I still have it. Oh, so yeah. I just played. Played. I had a Les Paul, but it was always always kind of hit my shoulder because it was so heavy. Yeah, and I was like a scrawny little guy, you know. Back then, I was young. Um, so I got the 355, and then um, I started playing Paul Reed Smith for like the 90s. I think went to that, and then um, so I was playing some. Actually, my friend Hubie Sin, I was playing with Phil Keggy, and uh, Hubie doesn't like Paul Reed Smith at all. And so he's the, he's, Hubie's the guy that told Rabbi Khan to write The Harbinger. Oh, wow. Then he introduced him to our mutual friend, Steve Strang. So Hubie was sitting there, it missed a plane or something, realized, you know, so comes reading the um, scriptures and started talking. He prophesied, said, you better write that book. So <laughs> if you write the book, well, I'll introduce you to somebody that can get it published. So the rest is history. Wow. So Hubie was, you know, he really is a prophet. I mean, he, he does operate in that, that gift very strongly on... Uh, I've seen him, you know, for the, I've known him a long time. I, I, um, a friend of mine, Kenny Fisher, when I was on Atlantic, made me an amp called the Trainwreck. And that's how I met Hubie through that, through Kenny. Um, he made you like, an amplifier called the Trainwreck? Yeah. It's cool. Pretty, pretty famous amp. Um, really? Yeah. So um, it's. I was telling Kenny how I thought an amp should sound one night for dinner. And he went and he built me this gift. He made me this amp, you know, for my, my dream amp. And then um, everybody wanted one. Eric Johnson, you know, said, hey, I want an amp like that. I took it into Atlantic and, you know, everybody, a kiss, Gene Simmons, you know, Paul Stanley came running into the studio. Hey, what is it? How do you get in that sound? Um, so, it, like, it really took off, like, you know, hot cakes. And, um, you hung out with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, he, he really, he's a very, very smart man. Gene, Gene actually wanted to manage me. Huh. Um, wow. He's, he's very kind, you know. He was always I very remember, kind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a story possibly apocryphal, but um, someone apparently came to Gene Simmons and it's like, is it really true that KISS stands for Knights in Satan's Service? And he just looks at him and goes, dude, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And raised by a pastor, his dad was. Uh-huh. A... Yeah, I mean, he and he speaks several languages. I haven't seen him for for years, but you know, we we did pal around together for a while back in the day, because it was the early eighties and stuff. Um, anyways, I th- I'm pretty sure I wrote about it, and not, nothing's impossible. Wow, cool. So, what other famous guys have you known? Um, I'm sure I've met a lot of them. Like all of um, them. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. Let me read to you. Um, my newest book just came out this week. Is um, the the forward is written by Derek Gilbert of Skywatch TV. Cool. But let me read you something from. Yeah, this these, crowd has never heard of that name. <laughs> yeah, um, see, I got see um, Richard Shaw and Ross Perot, Ali Malzuli wrote me. Janie Duvall from Sid Roth's um, producer wrote me a wonderful endorsement. But here's one I want to read to you. This is from um, Tommy James, recording artist. Really? Like Tommy, Tommy James, James and the Shondells? He wrote, I think we're not alone now. <laughs> Cuff, 
Because it was a, actually it was a joke. I, I, I we were talking. I, I, I showed him the manuscript. You know, and I, um, Tommy's a great friend. Really. So um, he wrote. Uh, I think we're not alone. Now, Casper and I became friends when he interviewed me on his internet radio show. He's one of the most fascinating people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. He's also one of the few people I'm able to have a conversation with about the subject matter in his new book, Unmasking the Future. In addition to being a strong and devout Christian, he's also a genuinely decent human being. I'm so very proud to call him my friend. absolutely love this book. Tommy James, recording artist, author of the autobiography, Me, the Mob, and the Music, Tommy James and the Shondells. Ah! Okay. It's you know, it was about communion. People don't realize it. Tommy's Tommy's a very strong believer. Is he? On, uh, yeah, he, he in fact being a rock icon, he walks out at the end of his concerts and he looks points up and he goes, Keep looking up, Jesus is coming. No, nobody can do anything, he's Tommy James. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Argue yeah. with him? Yeah. <laughs> so then he goes and, he, and he, he gets to pray with people backstage. He's like, hey, you're a Christian. Yeah. So pretty awesome. Has he always been or did he have some um, major... Well, he actually, um, he got saved watch, watching Billy Graham um, back in the 60s, I think. Wow. He, yeah, and he was a little black and white television in the hotel room. He was watching the Billy Graham crusade and he got saved. So wow. got a very interesting life. He's really he's he's a very kind man, very incredibly talented, and uh, um, we're working on a song together. Um, and he's he's got man, he's just got a wonderful voice, just still as good as great as ever. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I'm hoping we can. Uh, we're looking at doing a duet together at some point. You talk so, about an ES three three fifty five. You ever met Alex Lifeson? That's what he played all those years. Yeah, actually, I was good friends with. Um, Jack Secret, who's the extra guy in Rush. But, you know, um, I'm actually... I really? Need to, I need to get to work with something on, on Trey Smith. He's been trying to get hold of me, so um, we probably ought to... Any, anything else you want to do? No, no, I... that's fine. No, I'll let you go. We've had you, like, your show and mine, we've had you over two and a half hours, so um, yeah, get going with Trey Smith. Trey Smith, he's the guy that wrote Thieves, isn't he? Trey Smith does God in the Nutshell. Yeah, he wrote Thieves about when he stole the TV preacher's yeah, safe did, and yeah. ran to Mexico when he was a kid. He's very different. No, I like, love him. Read that. <laughs> I love it's, him. He, the Lord has done amazing work with Trey. He doesn't really want to. He's like what you said earlier. You know, he just wants to see the good and and just love everybody, even his enemies. I mean, he's. He's an awesome man of God. Yeah, he is. He really is. I like Trey a lot. He's like one of my favorite people out there. And he's doing a lot of good work. So, yeah, I'll let you get going to him. I know you got a lot of important work, and it's been awesome. We're going to have to hang out again, Pastor. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Um, I'd love to, to do some more with you guys. All yeah, right. I mean, I, I was just sort of sitting in listening mood. I would love to have you back because I've got some questions for you that I think would be a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. well, next time we'll set it up, you know, another time and we'll do something else. Well, I know where you are. You're on the Fringe Radio Network. <laughs> it was really great to meet you, Casper. I appreciated what you said and uh, got my mind really going and... Uh, I'm going to get your books and read and uh, really explore what you're talking about and get into more of 
the area that you're that you're uh, working in. I, it's it's fascinating, and I know for me it'll be faith building, and then I can pass that on to the people that I pastor. So, thank you very much. Well, I look forward to you know the next time we get the, the chat and uh, um, yeah, you know, to me, music, art, it's all everything. Just just live a life that's glorifying to Christ. Just everything we got, you know, it's it's a gift from the Lord anyway. So I'll just pray for everybody listening. Pray for you guys. We just thank you, the Paul God, in the Almighty name of Jesus Yeshua, for your blessing. I thank you, Father God. There's anybody listening right now that, that hasn't. Um, made their peace with you yet I just pray that they would come to you right now and they would they would just make um, their peace with you Father God and they would um, know that the love, the, the tangible love the supernatural love would just surround them and heal them and restore them and bring them draw them into salvation Lord in the almighty name of Jesus Yeshua how are you going to Work it out with them, Lord. And we just take your authority to break and bind and cancel the sign of the enemy, every ungodly thing that would go right now on the people's minds would be renewed to the washing of the word. We just thank you, Father God, that we can do this any time, day, and not boldly coming into your throne room. So I thank you, Lord, um, for just covering whatever needs anybody here, so new job positions or families that need to, issues that need to be resolved, businesses that need to be resolved, Lord, it's all to your glory. We just thank you, Lord, for doing this. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, it was awesome to have you, Pastor Casper. Hey, say, say Johnny says hi to uh, Trey. Um, he knows me. So, and tell him we're going to drag him on the Iron Show pretty soon. So. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Good night. God bless you guys. So long, Pastor Casper. God bless. <laughs> Happy trails to you. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again. Happy trails. All right. my friend. That was Pastor Casper McLeod. On Spiritual Encounters is his uh, main show on the Fringe Radio Network. That's fringeradionetwork.com. Look for Spiritual Encounters with Casper McLeod. He, um, I really have gotten a lot out of his teachings, especially if you go way back into his archives. Go to fringeradionetwork.com. That's fringeradionetwork.com. One more time, that's fringeradionetwork.com. Look for Spiritual Encounters with Casper McLeod and go back, start punching back, clear to the beginning of his shows. Mm, maybe three years, three and a half, four years. Um, the very first, um, like uh, starting with session one, almost um, two or three. He does like seven sessions. It's called the Thought Life series on dealing with your thought life. And that, I got so much out of that back. That was when I first had moved into the trailer park at the end of the world. And, you know, I thought Armageddon was coming personally to kill me. And uh, <laughs> it was I was really in a I was in a like a self-destructive feedback loop. And that his Thought Life series really helped me a lot. I think people could get a lot out of that. Do you, you talk about that much, Council Mark? thought your thought life yeah i do uh even just based on one scripture alone which is 
taking every thought captive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's subjecting what we think to the truth. Because we have all of our ideas and, and all the different things that affect us in emotionally or whatever. And the thought life is what begins it. It's the thought life is that has the power to end it correctly. And, and, you know, as you go through each different kind of thought and <clears throat> self-defeating stuff, um, man, I gotta take a drink. I'm sorry. You're on the iron show now, baby. Drink <laughs> all your, all right. I gotta take a drink. I gotta take a pee. I'll be back in a minute. Oh, sorry. Somebody's but, uh, at the door. There's an expert at the door. Hang on. I gotta get a shotgun. Anything's good on the iron show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> wait, you know, thinking more about the thought life, it's, it's absolutely crucial. And, uh, one of the things I use, when I'm doing counseling, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And you basically look at the behavior, you find out what's going on behind it cognitively, you affect what's going on cognitively then, and then you see a change in behavior. And so this runs in a loop and it makes it, you make change. But the only real true change comes through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God that we need to accept that is humbly planted in us. Yes. And so, uh, could you tell me the thing about, there's something that I got out of something you said a long time ago, which you probably don't even remember. So I'll have to remember, I'll have to remind you. I've got a mind like a rusty steel (laughs) trap. man. (laughs) Well, it's going to come in handy this time. Um, we were in the fear series and you were talking about what happens that like fear and like, um, thought life patterns and like, destructive loops and it's like it's like it's a lot like um you know like when you're on stage and the microphone is feeding back what do you do when something's feeding back remember you said that yeah when uh you you quiet it well you like grab something you grab some you grab a knob and turn something down right yeah exactly exactly yeah i mean when something's feeding back uh, and first panic ensues and then immediately you pull a fader and and there you go and so yeah it's very much like that there's and it and it happens that way and uh that helped me a lot believe it or not when i would go into a destructive feedback loop i'd reach for a knob and turn something down yeah. you know i yeah, mean it's I totally just get that. like that that helped me a lot well, I went to. Uh, I told Johnny I went to the next show. Sort of bring this in. I, I think that Pastor Mark, you're like the perfect person to bounce this off of. Um, you know, for the last twenty plus years, uh, pop culture has been bombarded with this idea that uh, sexuality is inborn and rigid, and you know that that terrible things happen if you try to encourage someone to, uh, you know, uh, shift their sexuality and so forth. But it turns out. That a paper has come out, and I've published it on uh, returnofbenjamin.com, or not published a paper, I've published a link to it, and I've got the paper itself on my hard drive if it should disappear due to political action. Um, but it's called Sexuality and Gender, Findings from the Biological, Psychological, and Social Science, Sciences. And the thing is that this paper is uh, challenging 
from a scientific standpoint, this idea that gender is A, uh, genetic, it points out that there's no actual evidence for that whatsoever. B, that it's fixed. They point out that uh, sexuality is very fluid, especially in the teenage years. Um, and they also point out something that the CDC itself pointed out uh, either earlier this year or late last year. I'm going to have to find that particular study. I've not had a chance to dig it up. And that is that uh, those who are in a homosexual lifestyle are seven times more likely to have already been molested as children. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's 49%. And this was just a, a sort of off-the-cuff poll they did at uh, some gay rights event or something like that, but um, some 49% of the people re- that responded off-the-cuff admitted that they had been uh, molested. And so to me, you know, this is the sort of thing we want to get out there. It's, a, it's sort of a game-changer. We need to start, you know, since the uh, left likes to claim that we're anti-science, we need to start bringing up the science on this. But I think that it's also something that we need to really recognize that a large number of people who are in the gay lifestyle are dealing with trauma. And unfortunately, the left has sort of co-opted this idea of, oh, we're the loving ones. We accept you as you are. We celebrate what you are and so forth. And we've uh, not done as good of a job as saying, no, we love you. Okay. Um, but with understanding what we're seeing in the data here, I think it, I, I think there's something to be said for sort of recapturing that space and saying, no, we're dealing – you know. We're not going to try to say that every person who's gay has been molested because that's obviously not true. But we're on the side of those who have been and that you're using politically, and we want to see them healed. And the only way they can be healed is by the power of the Spirit. We are not going to pass judgment on you and, and condemn you and say you must stop being gay first. We want to introduce you to the Lord. We want you to have that repentance of the mind first, where you realize, hey, this isn't working for me. I want to do things God's way. I want to accept Jesus into my life. I want to accept Yeshua into my life. And then he puts his spirit in you, and that radically transforms your life. And I think we need to recapture that space if we're going to minister to this uh, very small, the CDC says that only 2.1% of the population is homosexual. Uh, but nevertheless, it has become very influential, and even 2.1% is a lot of people. We These people need to be reached and need to be uh, uh, loved back into the kingdom. And yeah. it has to start with the idea that, hey, we're not trying to tell you we can come up with inventive therapies to fix you. We're telling you we can introduce you to the person who can transform your life. Right. Yeah, it's very complicated uh, when you're face-to-face person to person and i've been thinking on this one a lot lately of course because it's so prevalent in the press so yeah down the road here uh if you would send me that paper yeah um you probably have my email address um but uh it's for anybody who needs to talk to me or would like to talk to me or wants to reach out to me uh my email address is the breton at gmail.com, T-H-E-B-R-E-T-O-N, at gmail.com. And I'll write right back to you, and we can start a dialogue. Uh, there's uh, So, yeah, I look at that stuff and, and, and the science, and every, everything is very confusing. Because even 
as you look at the science, there's a lot of there's still so much politicking in it. So it's tough to pin down. It's it's just a real hard one. But it doesn't mean that there aren't biblical principles that govern the way that we live, and I can definitely speak to that. You know, the mm-hmm. next time we can approach that. Um, I want to. I need to go. I want to throw one thing out there real quick. Um, <clears throat> wow. I haven't screamed like that like I did at the beginning of the show in the forever. That was awesome too. And now I, it was like I sandpaper through it. So yeah, you got to uh, bail. Uh, yeah, we got to let you go to add bed. Add that to the Iron Show warning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Counselor Mark, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. But uh, I want to. Uh, and Johnny, do you mind if I uh, just throw out a quick uh, advertisement for? Amen, India, and Simon Peer. Yeah, my show is your show, and plus, yeah, we do that anyway. So go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, yeah, I've been talking to them. I talk to them all the time, and you know, and just try to get people to help participate in that ministry. People get fed, people get healed, people get saved. This guy's doing the real deal down in the dirt, and uh, we really, really need to support him. So, if anybody wants to figure out how to support him, contact me at my email address, thebreton at gmail dot com. And I will steer you into that direction. And Johnny, of course, knows exactly how to do it, too. So you can reach out to him. Um, he's he's really amazing and such a humble guy. Uh, I, just, I just love the dude. He's great. And I, as I go, I want to say thank you uh, to Johnny for seven incredible years of life-changing experiences for me. I am so much better off for having known you, brother. And I love you dearly. Well, thanks, bro. Me too. I do. This this has been so amazing. <laughs> just just this thing you and I have done is just it blows my mind. Just blows my mind. And getting to meet guys like Rabbi Mike, grab my mic, and uh, <laughs> and all that. It's just oh, yeah, baby. wow. So God bless you guys, and and thank you so much for letting me be a part of these things. I I just. I find it to be very humbling and and wonderful at the same time. So yeah, you might have noticed the show format has changed um, with the um, exit of Matthew Miller. Rabbi Mike and I are taking the show all kinds of places. So we're going to have Council Mark back again as many times as we can drag him on, along yeah. with a lot of yep. other with a, a lot of, along with a lot of other really strange people. No, I'm there it is. Show they'd be scared away by it. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right, Council Mark. Me to you, baby. Right. Me to you. All right, I'm punching out. All right, love you, man. Love next you all too. Next time, baby. Yep. All right. Now it's only me and Rabbi Mike. <laughs> oh man, it's not just been the two of us for forever. What are we gonna fill the last 25 minutes with? Oh, that's not hard. It never is. <laughs> it just never is. I don't, you know. Um, we could hang it up if you want to go to bed, or I don't care. Uh, I, I, I want to tackle the subject a little bit more because I, I think it's really important because the adversary is really hammering us by twisting this around, and it has it, at this point, you know, it's just it's taken as a article of faith that anyone who's gay or bi is just born gay, and that's simply not true. Yeah, I would also like to interject before you go on that. Um, we have um, John 
from Free Indeed Ministries, um, which is tentatively set up for um, the, I believe it is the 7th of October or the, I don't know, it's the first Thursday in October, whatever day that is. What day is uh, that? Uh, question. Yeah, I'll have to look at my calendar. That is the <laughs> 6th. The 6th of October. Um, we're talking about um, Thursday night is their free indeed meeting. So in um, Bend, Oregon. Um, so um, uh, sure. John is going to, they're talking. I said, well, why don't you just bring the whole meeting live onto the Iron Show? And he got back to me. He goes, you beautiful man. <laughs> so, I know yeah, I'm so pretty. Yeah. He's so right. But uh yeah, so we're gonna have John from Free Indeed Ministries and uh reaching out to the gay community, um the transgendered community, um uh and uh every other kind of person who's got any other kind of issue. I mean yeah, yeah he mostly deals with um gay people or lesbians or transgendered people that are having issues um, and leads them out of the lifestyle, but first leads them to Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically mostly a Jesus-centered ministry. He's not like this got this huge ministry to lead people away from being gay. It's mostly – he's a gateway. He's like Johnny. He's mostly gateway. But he right. also deals with a lot – people with a lot of other problems, you know, you know. Not just he doesn't just reach out to gay people and lesbians and transgendered. He reaches out to people that are suffering in a lot of ways, a lot of different ways. So anyway, he's going to be on tentatively on the sixth of October next week. We have he doesn't want they don't want me to say their names, uh, their last names, but we are going to have Minister King and Minister Keith, um, and they're on next week and they're going to present. The Black Israelite, uh, their research. Oh, you're gonna give me two on one here? This should be fun. Well, I got a hold of Keith, right? Because it was just gonna be Keith and Rabbi Mike and me. And I got to thinking, um, I was like, do you wanna maybe bring King on? Because King's his brother, King and Keith. I like, you wanna make, maybe bring King on so you don't feel like it's like two on one? Because what if we get into a debate and me and Rabbi Mike start attacking you, tag teaming you? (laughs) And he's going, like, you know, let me ask him. That might be a good idea. <laughs> so, anyway, we're gonna, we're gonna. He's gonna Ugh. present. They're gonna present their um, research into it. They're both black guys. Um, they're gonna present their research into it, and uh, we were, we're tentatively gonna have a debate. Um, but it, it's not. It's gonna be. It's, it's not gonna be like some kind of adversarial thing. And that is mostly because these guys are my heroes. I mean, in the beginning, there was Teo, Teo Tawaki Radio. I mean, they are the, you know, I mean, there's like, you know, I call them the four horsemen of the fringe apocalypse of alt-Christian media. In the beginning, there was, or was only four. There was Dr. Future, there was Derek Gilbert. There was uh, Derek and Sharon, I should say, PID Radio, Future Quake, PID Radio, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, Bruce Collins, and Teo, Teo Tawaki Radio, with King and Keith, the brothers. And uh, Johnny, I mean, like, these guys literally like saved my life. I mean, there, I may not, there would be really, there'd be no Iron Show if it wasn't for Teo. And I may not even be alive today if it wasn't for them. So there's well, a lot of respect. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole reason I'm willing to do this. Uh, normally, uh, this is one of those areas where it's like, 
I you know. know. Okay, on the one hand, you, it, 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 there, there are like two proverbs that are side by side. You know, do not answer the fool in his foolishness and answer <laughs> the fool in his foolishness. And it's because, you know, sometimes there's a time to just ignore somebody who's off on a tangent. And sometimes there's a time where you have to answer them. And because uh, these guys are your close friends, that's why I've been willing to take the time to do some of this research and uh, to address things on the show. Now, I don't think we're going to get to the point of answering everything in a two-hour show. No. And so I do have a – I'll just say I've got a little bit of vested concern here that there's going to be just enough information given that someone else listening to this is going to be like, huh, I wonder if that's true, and then just go off on uh, that same tangent. Yeah, oh. my thought exactly. I'm a little nervous about this session. Well, I think – I mean, as far as it goes, I think that the main thing is that the premise um, – does not stand up very well, and so uh, as you're communicating to them, uh, tell them to bring their A game to the show because I don't want to sit there and be able to and, and dispute what they're arguing and then have them say, "Well, there, but there's all this other evidence." Now, I mean, you know, bring your A game, bring your best evidence, bring you know what you think best presents your case, and if that doesn't hold up, then there's no real reason to spend a whole lot of time on your B game. Okay, and I don't want to get into what uh, evolutionists sometimes uh, jokingly call the gish gallop, where a person just throws out so much information that there's no proper, you know, they just throw out a bunch of stuff, and therefore there's no time to refute everything in a limited format, and then they're like, ah, you didn't dispute this, 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 and this, it's like... Well, dude, you didn't actually back it up, so why should I try to dispute it? You know, I, I want to make sure that this is even-handed on all sides here. Um, very obviously, I do not believe uh, – well, I do believe that there are plenty of black people who are, in fact, descended from Israelites. Okay, That's oh, yeah. not the dispute. They're trying to say that only black people are disputed – are descend from Israelites, and that I find offensive. Right, why the, yeah, I mean that Abraham was black, and so everybody else was black. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Abraham was a Semite. He would have looked like an Arab, <laughs> to be blunt about. It. He would have looked like an. He would have looked like a Bedouin. And yeah, they were pretty dark skinned compared to say me. I'm pretty freaking pale. Oh but... yeah, they didn't look like they didn't like like a Viking like Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't look like Thor. <laughs> no, 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 no. They weren't blonde haired, blue eyed. Although, I mean, in the area, I mean, you had the original Aryans, which were in, from southern Persia. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they were part of Israel at one point. Everybody was part of Israel. All you had to do was be was believe and be circumcised, and you were an Israelite. Well, that's the point. Israel was a nation, right. not a race. Now, not it, a race. genetically, it was descended from Shem through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, we all were, though, just about. <laughs> well, no, you had, you had you know, like Shem, uh, Japheth, yeah. and... Uh, and Ham, but they all came from Noah. I mean, hello. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, it, the thing is that God seems to have deliberate when God chose his people, he picked a people that were like in the middle of the human spectrum of colors. I think And yeah. today, Jews come in every variety on the planet Earth. Why? Because, you know, we talked about uh, Deuteronomy 28 earlier. God said, I'm going to scatter you to every nation. That literally happened. So, yes, when I was in Israel, I met uh, black Jews from Ethiopia. There was oh, a yeah. big airlift of uh, Jews from Ethiopia back in, what, the late 80s? Oh, yeah. But I also saw uh, freckled, red-headed ginger Jews. Ginger yeah. juice. That sounds like a drink. Um, <laughs> mm, tasty. And, uh, yeah, it's like my wife's family 
if you go back for a few generations, you find the surname Chen because some of her ancestors settled in China for a while before coming and for immigrating and uh, mixing in with the Russian Jews. So you know, God literally has made the Jewish people the most ethnically diverse people on the planet. Right. And so I am deeply offended at the idea that we should now get bound up in skin color. Hey, I, I, when I was in Israel, I spoke to a, uh, a Jewish scholar there who has done a lot of work on uh, and collating all these uh, genetic studies that have been done. And he pointed out to me that there is evidence that there are some South African tribes that are not only uh, descended from the same stock as the Ashkenazi Jews and the Sephardi Jews, in other words, that they would be ancient Israelites, but they have a genetic marker that, as far as we know, is only found in the priesthood, only found among the Kohen. So you could very well have the Third Temple being officiated by a black African Jew, you know, a black African Israelite. Sure. Okay. That's not the issue. No. But, but when someone tries to say that only my skin color counts, I'm like, okay, I don't care who you are. That's kind of offensive to somebody whose people uh, barely survived that attitude in Germany. And I you know, hate to go to a reducto ad Hitlerium here. Yeah, but, but that's the first thing that comes into your head. And I know yeah. they um, – it, and they go there too. I was hoping they, they didn't go there at first, but they finally ended up going there. You know that the one that the people in Israel now are not Jews; they're imposters. They're the synagogue of Satan. And now, now you, God seems to be blessing them. It's yeah. the darndest thing, you know. I know. It, it's but you know, right somehow, there, you know, you're boasting uh, uh, against the natural vine. And what did you know? What did you know? What does the Bible say about boasting against the natural vine? I mean, I mean, if God is able to take out you who are grafted in, how much, you know. Or if yeah. God is able to take out the natural vine, how much easier is it to take you out who have been grafted in? It's a warning not to boast against the natural vine. And so, I mean, that's you're, getting, you're trending on really dangerous waters. Plus, it really messes your eschatology up, too. Well, let me, let me read a couple of passages here since uh, we've got about 15 minutes. And I want to illustrate why this is so important. Honestly, the adversary is looking for anything to discredit Israel to get the world to destroy Israel. Why? Because he has been cast down and he knows his time is short. Yeah. Israel is a shining beacon that the return of the Lord is soon. And anyone who tries to dispute you know, Israel being Israel, the Jews having returned to the land being an act of God, that's dangerous. That is basically siding with the enemy. So... Uh, let me just read a couple passages here. Isaiah 11, starting at verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, and we know from verse 1 and 2 that that's referring to the Messiah. So in that day, the Messiah, the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal or a banner for the peoples. The peoples in that context, the word amim is synonymous with goyim. It means the nations. Of him shall the nations inquire or seek, and his resting place will be glorious. In other words, in that day, the nations will seek the root of Jesse, the Messiah, and will find rest in him. Okay? Isaiah 11.10. That, that's practically the gospel right there. 
But then it goes on in verse 11. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time. The first time was after the Babylonian captivity. The second time is to all nations. To recover the remnant of the remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar and Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. In other words, from the whole world. Those countries, to Isaiah's mind, represented the outer circle of the world. So he's talking about being gathered from all worlds. Verse 12, he will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. When does all this happen? After the nations inquire or seek after the Messiah. Well... What have we been seeing for the last 2,000 years? The nations have been seeking after the Messiah. We get to the 20th century. The Great Commission is almost fulfilled. We're like on the verge of it. We have been for the last century. And suddenly, you have Israel back in line. Why? Because, as Isaiah said, God reached out his hand the second time to gather his people from all nations back into the land. We're seeing this happen before our eyes. Now let's pop over to Zechariah chapter 8. And these guys would say that we're that's hasn't happened yet. That's yet to be Well, fulfilled. those guys that's, are fools. Um, I know. It's like <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it's happening nice now. I mean, come <laughs> on, open your eyes, everybody. Zechariah eight starts off, and you know, it basically describes how God would uh, return to Zion and Jerusalem. It, it says, uh, starting at verse three, "Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Sion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem will be called the." Faithful city, or you could also read that the city of faith, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Okay, is that happened today? Well, people are going to say, well, no, God's not back in the temple yet. Well, yes and no. I think this is one of those examples of fulfilled, but not yet. Let me read a little bit further, and then I'm going to come back to this verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. I was in Jerusalem about a little less than a decade ago. I saw that. Okay, I saw the old and the young in the streets at peace. Okay, yeah. and it goes on. It describes that. It, it goes on for like most of the chapter describing God blessing Jerusalem. Now, where people are going to object is like, well, God hasn't returned to dwell in uh, the midst of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the word there, uh, Shechanti, it come, is connected to the Hebrew concept of the Shechinah, the dwelling of the Lord that dwelt in the temple. Right, the glory. Right, but let's think about this for a second because it's not like the Jews kicked everyone else out. Who else is living in Jerusalem? A lot of Christians. Oh, yeah. A lot of Messianic Jews. And do we not believe that we, both individually and collectively, are the temple of the living God? Therefore, yes. yes. So you wouldn't even really need a third temple. You could make it out fit. Yep. Uh, the, the, the main thing you need the third temple for is you have to have a, a location yeah. that the Antichrist can stand in and defile. That's the main reason you have to have a physical building. Otherwise, you could try to put all this spiritually. But I, you could, I you think could have a tabernacle. You could, they could put the tent back up. That would work. Yes. I think that's actually what's going to happen. They're going to start off with the temp and try to build a temple around it. I do not guarantee they will finish putting the temple around it before the Lord returns. But they right. all they need is to have the sacrifices. They have, have the, the tent place built. Identified. They have the tent built. Yep, it's it's ready to put up. I've got some friends in Israel who believe that. Now, here's the funny part. If you jump ahead, I mean, just read chapter 8 for yourself and say, huh, that it's not quite fulfilled yet, but I still see it sort of happening in my day. 
Now I'll get to verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts, I myself am going. Okay, Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts, and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Now, if you go and visit Israel, you're going to see tour bus, tour buses from all over the world. Okay, um, there there are certain Christian ministries that are very very common there. But uh, when I was on tour there, I saw Christians uh, from all nations. Yes, a lot of American, but I saw I met a, a whole host of uh, Vietnamese Christians oh, yeah, that had come to make a pilgrimage to Israel and to Jerusalem. I'm sure. Okay. As a matter of fact, my own group was interesting because we literally fulfilled this verse because um, we got contacted by um, a church in – we're in Georgia. We got contacted by a uh, church in, I think, North Carolina, and they said and they wanted to go with a, a Messianic Jewish group to get a tour of Israel with that Messianic Jewish perspective. Yeah. So people of one city came to another and said, hey, we're going to – let's go up together – to you know, entreat the favor of the Lord of Hosts, and that's and happening a lot, I'm sure. So verses twenty through twenty-two are already being fulfilled. And now you've seen it fulfilled. Verse. You've literally seen that happen. We're watching it happen before our eyes. Yeah, but you've done it. You've actually done it. That's yes. a literal, personal fulfillment of that prophecy. That's incredible. Oh, it was a non-Messianic Jewish, not rabbi, but scholar who actually pointed this whole chapter out to me, by the way. He saw the Christians coming to uh, Israel and uh, seeking the Lord there as a fulfillment of this passage. Okay. So, yeah, um, I would now, too. That's... Now listen to verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. The word robe there literally is the kanaf, the corner. Okay, now the kanaf, uh, the kanaf literally means wing or extent or corner. It is where, if you've seen a Jewish prayer shawl, okay, the talit, you will see these little strings hanging from the corners. The corners are the kanafim. The strings are called the zitzit. Okay. Yeah. They didn't have. They didn't use the word talit back when Zechariah was writing this. They right. just used a normal cloak. It didn't become a prayer shawl until later. Right. So what it's saying here is, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the corner the, of the garment of the Jew where the zitzit are, saying, "Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you." Now come to a Messianic synagogue. Okay, come to a Messianic Jewish synagogue, and you will find Jews. People who are born Jewish there, but you also find a lot of people who don't have a lick of Jewish blood coming in alongside their Jewish brethren. And you will see them putting on talits in many cases. There's a, actually a bit of a debate about that right now in, in terms of, okay, uh, how do we handle that since that's been a marker of Jewish identity for a long time? But they want to put it on is the point. You go to a Hebrew uh, congregation they, and they do put it on. And so what's this saying? Isn't it interesting that, you know, in our congregations, sometimes we get accused for not being Jewish enough because sometimes you have ten Gentiles for every Jew in a congregation. Yet that's exactly what Zechariah said would happen when Jerusalem was inhabited again. Jerusalem's inhabited again. Tour groups from all nations are going up to visit it, 
and Gentiles are coming to Messianic Jews and saying, let us go with you. We want, to, we want to take hold of this garment too, and we want to be part of this because we know that God is with you, because we have seen Israel in the midst. Everything in Zechariah 8 is already been fulfilled or being fulfilled before our eyes right now. And when people deny that, when people say, oh, well, Israel was established by the Illuminati and so blah, 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 hey. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know what? the Learned Elders of Zion, which was a fiction. Yeah, it was a Russian fiction. Yeah. But here's the funny part. When uh, Yeshua, Jesus, was casting out demons, there was an accusation that he was doing it by the power of Beelzebub. Yes. Uh, or Beelzebul, Baal was, the Prince. That was See? the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. To take a miracle of God and credit it to Satan is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which Yeshua says is not forgivable. Not if you do it in knowledge. Yeah, and that's something I've talked about before. I've touched on before. Now, it's a really, tr- it's really. I mean, I'm not. Don't don't read anything into what I'm tr- <laughs> trying to say here. I wanted to say, try to articulate this very carefully. Is that? Um, you know the the scribes and Pharisees said that um, Jesus cast out demons, but with the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. In other words, they said that he got his powers from Satan. And mm-hmm. Jesus warned him. He said, "You know, you, you speak bad about me. You've, you know, you'll be forgiven. Uh, but if you speak, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that." That sin will not be forgiven. It's like the unpardonable sin. Now, I really believe I kind of I line up with Peter Goodgame on this. I track with him perfectly on it. That really, that sin was really only able. You were only able to commit that sin if you were a scribe and a Pharisee right then in that time, because they had the power to proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God to the whole world. They had that power to endorse him and instead they said they got his he got his power from satan and they had committed that unpardonable sin um i think that was i mean people wondered they i know a lot of people really sweating blood practically they're worried they've for, they've committed the unpardonable sin well look at the passage i mean read it i mean you can tell he's talking about them declaring that he got his power from satan that was the sin. I mean, if you read it yes. in context, you can see it. It's really clear to me, anyway. But my, what no, I'm trying I, to articulate, I though, uh, I agree. what I'm trying and, to and articulate is too far. Well, I know, but I don't want to take it too far. But what I'm trying to say is that when you say that um, that the nation of Israel right now, the Jews that are there are the synagogue of Satan. You're kind of edging into that territory. You're treading on the threshold at the very least, Jess. Yeah, and that's you're, where I was going you're edging into, yes. you're not committing the unpardonable sin, but you're getting into some pretty, you're edging into that territory. You're really, you really need to check yourself before you wreck yourself there, yes. I think. I mean, I don't think you can really – I mean, if you really literally believed that Jesus got his power from Satan and you went and proclaimed it, yeah, maybe you could pr- commit the unpardonable sin. But anyway, but uh, but saying that like the, Jeru- the, the, the Jews that are there, that the nation of Israel is, 
Israel that is theirs, the synagogue of Satan. I mean, yeah, you're edging in there. And not only that, there's another way you can kind of edge into that territory, if you ask me. And that is all these witch hunters that you see out there, especially Uh in the fringe community. They're just rampant. I hate to say it, but they're um, really uh, speaking um, really bad-mouthing these churches that are moving in the gifts of the Spirit and saying that it's witchcraft and, um, you know, it's, these people are being healed by Satan and, you know, all these all these signs and wonders are lying signs and wonders. Have you read that passage? Lying signs and wonders, that's the Antichrist. Hello, go read the passage. That is not well, yeah. a bunch of spirit-filled Christians, you know. Some of them, yes, faking it. Some of them, not. Some of that stuff, real. Some, but if you start, there's, there, if you start naming the gifts of the spirit and the things that are happening, the miracles that are happening in these churches, if you start na- automatically naming them after Satan and demonic spirits. You, you are, you're edging into that territory, if you ask me. No, I agree. But by the same token, a very wise rabbi. <laughs> my first rabbi before we had a falling out, but uh, a very wise rabbi once pointed out that one of the things that we see um, in Christianity is that you tend to have this divide where on the one hand you have the churches of the spirit where they're very spirit filled and they want and you know they're uh, moved by spirit and they're open to it and everything else, but those churches have a tendency to start ignoring the word in favor of the spirit. And that's dangerous because there are false spirits as well, right? And then on the other hand, you have the spirits that are very, wor- the churches rather, that are very word driven. And, you know, they seek God's face. They try to understand the word. They might understand a little bit differently than those of us in the Messianic community, but they really put a lot of emphasis on understanding what God has given to us. But in the process, they become very suspicious of any manifestation of the Spirit. And what you really need is you need both. Because, you know, know, Paul, for example, talking about these gifts, put specific guidelines around them. That you have to follow if you're going to say you're walking the spirit. I mean, you take the gift of tongues. Yeah. You know, for for those of you out here, you those of you out there who pray in tongues, who are used to people who don't do it, uh, misunderstanding you. I pray in tongues, so don't take this as somebody who's jealous and or envious or anything like that. I pray in tongues, but but I recognize that we are told not to do it in public, out loud, in a disruptive way without a translator. Right, And so when I'm praying in tongues, if I'm alone, I will pray out loud. If I'm in a a group setting, I feel the spirit moving me to pray in tongues, then I prayed under my breath. Okay? I'm not denying the gift, but I am constraining it by the guidelines God has given. Likewise, prophecy. Prophecy is to be carefully judged by the elders of the assembly. If you think you're a prophet and then you're like, well, I don't care what the elders say, well, you're frankly – not moving in the spirit then. You should let your your prophecy be judged. Now, obviously there are times when you've got the Jeremiah's of the world, okay, but by the same token, if you truly believe that the spirit is moving in the church, the ecclesia as a whole, then it should move in them to consider your prophecy. There are going to be churches that just won't consider any prophecy whatsoever, but that's where you have to find fellowship with those you trust to constrain you. And I've seen a man, the person who actually laid hands on me, that gave me the gift of the Spirit, I've seen him 
completely fall because he refused to accept any kind of authority over him whatsoever. He started departing from the word of God. He started thinking that anything that popped into his head was from the spirit, and he became deceived, and he fell. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of error that's going on in a lot of these, you know, Pentecostal and otherwise spirit-filled churches. There's a lot of error. There's a lot of ignorance of the word. There's a lot of that. I mean, but automatically naming this stuff after Satan, ah, it's a mistake, if you ask me. We are to test all things and hold on to what's good. A lot of people do the first part but refuse to do the second part. They're only out there to test things and try to prove them wrong. They're not trying to find out if they're actually good. I, I think that in some ways we want to sort of bring the scientific method into our spiritual lives, if you will. I mean, the scientific method, uh, I realize that a lot of people out there are like suspicious of mainstream science and so forth. But the basic scientific method is we test things. We do it openly. We explain the assumptions you brought into it. We explain exactly how we did the experiment or exactly how we did the study so that others can come behind us and verify our work because we are going to do this completely above board, completely in the open, and we're going because we are being completely honest about this, and we expect others to check us. And we know there's going to be sometimes a messy process, but that's how we're doing it. Unfortunately, um, while that's a biblical principle, we don't always adhere to it. And so, people who are very deep in the Word and have a somewhat sterile view of the Spirit—oh, well, that was for the first century—they go into test. You know, when they go into a Pentecostal church or something like that, they're testing it, but they're testing it to prove it's evil, not to check and actually see if it's good. Likewise, uh, people who are in the spirit-filled assemblies, they'll go to the Word of God, but they will uh, cherry-pick words and passages, not really understanding the whole, to verify their own experiences. Both of those are dangerous to the life of the body. And we really need to get back to all of us having the humility to say, you know what? I'm going to put my views out there completely honesty, honestly and look for people who can test me, people who can challenge me, people who can pick at my mistakes because I know I'm going to have them in there. And even if the mistakes aren't like critical to what I'm doing, I know I need to give them corrected. I mean, I, I, I've talked about this before with the curse of the law. I've written a paper and I've submitted a draft to it to uh, people in uh, the uh, UMJC. I haven't heard back from them yet. I hopefully will soon. But it's because I want their feedback. I want you know someone to be able to say, "Hey, I think you're wrong in this. Here's why." Because I want it to t- before I really start broadcasting it. I want it to be tested to know that it's good. And I'm willing to take my lumps and I'm willing to accept rebuke and I'm willing to accept uh, you know authority. To go forward and do that. And that's what a lot of people who are moved by the Spirit lack. They think they all have to be Jeremiah, working as like a one-man force. Right. Jeremiah was very rare. Yeah. Even Paul himself submitted his work to apostolic review in the Jerusalem Council. And you've read his, in, in Galatians, he was scared to death that they were going to shoot him down. He says, I was afraid that I'd run in vain. Okay, I did this in trembling, afraid that I'd run in vain, because he knew that if he submitted it to them and they rejected it, his ministry and what he was trying to do and what he thought that God was guiding him to do was dead in the water, and he was wrong. But he was willing to do that anyway, as much of a fanatic as Paul was, and I say that in a good way, because he knew that a one man can be mistaken. It has to be tested, and he had to trust that God was going to guide the leadership in this. And we need to do the same. 
the church has splintered many elements of are corrupted so i'm not saying you have to go to you know the lutheran council or whatever but we need to get past this idea that we're supposed to be lone rangers out there fighting on our own against everybody and splitting ourselves into smaller and smaller segments that can't do anything and are not part of something that can actually act in unison and in love as the Lord commanded. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, on the Holy Spirit is, I, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of at a loss as what to like comment on after that. Maybe we could just leave it there. But I mean, the Holy Spirit is moving in places that don't require a lot of knowledge and doctrine. And so using your discernment to glean out where the Spirit is moving regardless of the person's qualifications um, is really important, I think. And also, if you're moving in the Spirit like that... uh, you also need to do like Rabbi Mike said, you know, follow that advice and really check your doctrine and check check with people who, you know, know a lot, have a lot of knowledge and a lot of in doctrine, right? I mean, right. Well, pe- people not, that can it, approve, you know, things you can bounce, you know, people that you really respect, theologists that you respect that you can bounce the stuff off of. See, you know, if they can find error with it, shut you down if you need to be shut down, lift you up if you need to be encouraged. Is that is basically what you were saying? Yes, I mean it's, and we don't, and we need to be careful about dividing where we don't need to divide. This is one of my objections to uh, Hebrew roots uh, Christianity is that it tends to see itself as like the the lone remnant of the church. Oops, hello. Sorry, I just, just realized I had a bit of a nosebleed going on here. That happens to me oh, sometimes. Oh, God this bless you. It's time for you to go to bed. Good night, Rabbi Mike. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, that's, right. That suddenly happened to me in mid-sentence there. All right, well, uh, you and reason. I... So I apologize. Let's pick this up again next week, then. Let's do it. Good night, Rabbi Mike. I'm going to shut you down and have mercy on you. Good night. Go to bed. <laughs> Thank you. Shalom. All right, shalom. Oh, oops. There we go. Oh, yeah! All right. I want to thank Bruce Collins. The Iron Show is on the Fringe Radio Network at the behest of Bruce Collins. I want to thank Dr. Future and Peter Goodgame for early inspiration, of course. I want to thank Pastor Casper McLeod. That is Spiritual Encounters with Pastor Casper McLeod, which is found at FringeRadioNetwork.com. Look for Spiritual Encounters from the Fringe Radio Network lineup at FringeRadioNetwork.com. I want to thank Counselor Mark. And to get a hold of him, once again, that is thebreton at gmail.com, thebreton at gmail.com, thebreton at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-R-E-T-O-N, T-H-E-B-R-E-T-O-N, thebreton at gmail.com. He is ready to help you out if you've got problems, you got mental problems, you got spiritual problems. That's why we call him Counselor Mark. I want to thank Rabbi. Mike for hanging out with us as well of course and I also want to announce a new show on the Fringe Radio Network oh yeah 
That is the Pure Grace Podcast. That has not quite been added as of this recording, as of right now, but it will be. So check back next time for the Pure Grace Podcast, and we're going to be definitely filling you in on the details. Till next time, Johnny Lotion.